Welcome back, listeners around the world, to the weekly episode of The Real Japan Podcast. I am one of the hosts, Kenzo. And I am Feg. And this week, as we do every week, we'll be bringing you the latest interesting headlines from Japan. But first, we'll see what Ferg has been up to for the past week. Yes, sir. So, perhaps kind of a minor little thing, but might be interesting to people outside Japan. So, lately, with the weather getting slightly colder, though not too cold yet, I... Not cold enough for me. <laughs> well, I started stocking up on Toyu, or kerosene. Ah, yeah. For my little kerosene heater, which I don't think anyone in the UK uses. Or maybe some people do. I don't think anyone in the developed world uses oil <laughs> heaters in 2020. Yeah, especially inside, right? Yeah, with all that yummy carbon monoxide. Yes, sir. And they do have kind of stickers on them and things that say, you know, uh, sort of ventilate the air wherever you're using it every <laughs> one to two yourself. hours. But, you know, I'm sure probably it's only a minority of users that actually do that mm-hmm. how about you how do you keep your house warm in the winter I do what a civilized person does and I turn on the heater oh really <laughs> yes just the aircon style heater you don't have any radiators I'm guessing uh, correct yeah and in my uh, the room where I have my computer because it's a pretty small room I just have one of those uh, Dyson heaters yeah are they good yeah they're good but they uh they eat a lot of like power mm. so it'll run up your power bill yeah but you know, I, I figure i'd rather pay a little bit more a month and be warm yes than, sir. Uh, you know teeth chattering and saving a couple bucks yeah that is always a something i you know agree with as well that you know of course there's sort of environmental considerations aside from using lots of power but that that aside yeah yeah you know the amount extra you pay to keep your house warm in the winter or cool in the summer is actually mm. it can it, in terms of the quality of life improvement it's not a huge amount yeah yeah, you're, you're, I think you're definitely getting more than what you pay for. Despite Japan having pretty high electricity rates. Yes, sir. And yeah. just quickly, before I kind of ask you what you're up to, the I wanted to just mention that it, is, it has been pretty kind of warm for this time of year, certainly where I am. When I went out earlier... And this was still in the morning, around 9am in the morning. It was a balmy mm. 13 degrees, which for up in the mountains of Nagano in November is yeah, quite that's true. Yeah, mild. Double digits. Yes, sir. Exactly. Yeah. I haven't actually used my wood stove once yet this year. And in fact, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. frequently, or this winter, sorry, this season, but... In fact, frequently, it's not even really been cold enough at night to warrant using the oil heater yet. It's still kind of like, you know, throwing an extra jumper and it's fine, that kind of level. Okay, okay. Which is quite surprising, really. I do remember, you know, last year was very mild, but a couple of years ago, I certainly had the fire going in November. Yeah, I've I've noticed that too though. Like relatively speaking, it's been cuz it's almost December. But mm. there are some days where yeah, you don't even I, I don't even turn the heater on. Exactly. So it's uh yeah, it's been been better than most years this year, for sure. Yes, sir. Certainly. Yeah. So how about you? How was your past week? Um I I went out of the house once. I uh, had to go uh, the work-related thing, um, and I had I had lunch, you know, after the the work thing was over uh, because it was in the morning. But um, yeah, it's uh, I think you know we've said this 
numerous times, you know, during this whole COVID thing. But uh, yeah, it's just life is nor life as usual. Yes, sir. Okay, everyone's out. Everyone's eating lunch at the restaurant. You know, it's uh, other than people wearing masks. Uh, obviously, they're not wearing masks when they're eating. But uh, so so yeah, like in a way, like when you eat at a restaurant is kind of the only time where everything feels normal because no one has their mask on. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it was interesting, I guess. And mm. there wasn't any particular social distancing in the restaurant. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it was just, they were seating customers, like, right next to each other, you know, as per usual. Mm. So, I mean, that was... You know, I would have preferred that they uh, space people out better, but, you know, what can you do, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, certainly so, the tension in the air surrounding coronavirus has certainly lessened over the past few months. Yeah, I think people are just like, yeah, screw it. Like, mm. we're, not, uh, we're not even going to, like, we'll wear the mask, but other than that, I don't think people are really doing anything differently. And, you know, the uh, they got the disinfectant, you know, at the door. I guess that's the other thing. Yeah. But I think other than, yeah, disinfectant and masks, that's that's really, that's it. Yes, sir. Um, I've noticed some places will make you do, a, they'll have a one of those thermometers, like infrared thermometers. And they'll uh, when you when you first walk in the door, they'll they'll take your temperature. Yeah. And uh, presumably, if you have a fever, they'll tell you to GTFO. But um, yeah, that's that's pretty rare. I've found. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Maybe I don't know, a quarter or less of establishments do the thermometer thing. Yes. Yes, I agree. And yeah. in fact, yeah, where I live in quite a rural community, there's plenty of people now that aren't even wearing masks. Oh, really? Yeah, I think they're kind of older people who are a bit sort of, you know, do do their own thing. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I guess they're sufficiently socially distanced just because the uh, the population density is a lot lower. That's true. Yep. Yeah, but I mean, they they probably should be wearing masks. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, that is interesting. Like you said, eating out and seeing that people aren't particularly social distancing. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get any yummy food just before we move on to our news roundup? Ah, uh, it was it was just uh, like a uh, an Italian place. Oh yes. So we got a we got like a lunch pizza, you know. Oh, decent. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Standard, decent lunch. Yep, standard, decent lunch. Yeah, about uh, about a thousand yen, about ten bucks. <laughs> That's all right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh well. Shall we move on to a quick news roundup of some of the major yeah. stories in Japan before we talk yep. about a couple of stories more in depth? So, first, just a quick uh, follow up for our listeners. We mentioned the Capcom ransomware story last week mm -hmm. where they were hit by the dreaded Ragnar Locker. Is that what it's called? Yeah, Ragnar Locker. Yeah, the scourge of companies around the world. Yes, sir. And reports in the media are saying that uh, Capcom did not pay the ransom. Of, mm -hmm. I think it was approximately 11 million US dollars in Bitcoin. Yeah, I think right? so, yeah. And apparently, as a result of this uh, ransomware attack, it has come to light that the data of up to 350,000 people could be at risk. And this includes customers, shareholders, and employees. And this is, and also many former employees as well. And this is despite mm -hmm. the company initially saying that customer data was not at risk when the attack first occurred. So, you know, I'm not sure whether they were being sneaky there or whether more information came to light after 
you know, after some time had passed, but it does seem that, you know, the initial scope of the attack is a bit different to what Capcom claimed at first. Mm-hmm. Mm. The, uh, yeah, the, I was, I was a bit surprised that they decided not to pay. Mm. Yeah. Uh, maybe they, they thought they had to stand their ground, but, uh, I don't know. It looks like the, the leakers, cause they've already leaked some, some stuff, right? Because they have it paid up. Yep. The hackers have already leaked some info. Yeah, well, they leaked some stuff to prove they had it as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't because th- th- I I could see this maybe setting a uh, kind of a, a precedent almost that you know if like so so okay all all this happened so now if a different company gets hit, um, they might be more inclined to pay up now. Because I think maybe Capcom was trying to call their bluff. Oh, I see. That's interesting. Yeah, think thinking that like they're not really going to release the info. Mm. Right? Maybe maybe they were trying to work out a deal. Yeah, you know, and then it kind of fell apart, and then now they're they are they are actually leaking, starting to leak information. Mm. So other companies might uh, might see this and be like, eh, you know, these these guys are for real, you know. In addition to leaking the information, I think they actually also encrypted it on Capcom's servers, so presumably Capcom doesn't have access to right, it. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Although, like, I, I would hope that they have off-site backups, you know, <laughs> a company of their size. We would hope so, wouldn't we? Yeah, we would hope so, yeah. Yeah. Yes, but, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, I I kind of get the feeling that, yeah, they were trying to call call the hacker's bluff and then it blew up in their face. Mm. It will be very interesting to see what happens and whether there is any lasting damage to Capcom as a result of this attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's just more of an embarrassment than anything. Mm. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. And uh, in another kind of recent news story, the government released more information about their push to get rid of hanko, the little stamps that Japanese people use in place of signatures. Yeah, thank God. (laughs) Yes, uh, (laughs) so they said that they will be getting rid of the hanko for approximately 15,000 kind of administrative processes, you know, forms and things that people need Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. need to fill in according to the cabinet office. They didn't offer any kind of timeline for this, and it does not include all administrative processes. Notably, a bit of a strange figure, but they said it Hancock will still remain for about 83 kinds of process. Yeah. It's primarily they're, they're keeping it for uh, like big transactions, right? Like like uh, one of the articles I read just had a few examples, but like uh, like buying a car or, you know, buying a home. Exactly. Like, T- taking out a mortgage, like those kind of, you know, I guess you know, life, uh, life-altering transactions. Exactly. The, they're going to keep the Honko, which I think makes sense. Yes, and you know, we don't suddenly want to introduce some kind of digitalization process before, you know, all the kinks have been mm-hmm. ironed out yeah. for these, as you say, very mm-hmm. important mm-hmm. transactions. Although notably, other important kinds of process have been or do appear to to be included in the scope of processes that they're trying to get rid of Hanko, you know, such as uh, marriage and birth certificates and things oh, like yeah, that, that as well. Yeah, that, that, that's one that I, I thought was kind of strange. You would think they'd keep it for getting married. Mm. I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of a, that's a big deal. Exactly, right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that that was a weird one there. Yeah, that kind of caught me off guard too, that you don't need it for the marriage license. Yeah. And also as well, just another thing about this story, it seems to be my impression from reading it is that it's more about moving to like digital kind of signatures rather than in get rather than getting rid of Hanko and replacing them with like a Western physical signature was my impression. Mm. So Although, you know, they this uh, cabinet office release, they weren't very 
sort of they didn't offer many details it was more it was broader but i suspect it will be still hankor but kind of digitalized hankor um stamps you know in the same way we have kind of digitalized uh signature software or signed mm-hmm, software now mm-hmm. for contracts and things in the west i think it will be more like that yeah. rather than you know physically signing things so basically it's another way for uh someone's friends to get rich right yeah i mean, I mean yeah probably we're probably gonna <laughs> see that you know japan has its own kind of software ecosystem for these digital signatures rather right than, right you know in in the west as a number of these kind of uh products have become more popular in recent years mm-hmm. you know i think it's all uh it's been part of uh the prime minister suga's agenda for a while now you know since well since he took office but it, it has yeah. been sort of influenced by the coronavirus pandemic and you know this phenomenon of people needing to go into work solely so they can stamp things yeah yeah so i but, think that, yeah, hey hmm. i'm i'm all for it though uh, i mean whatever even, even if it's a less than perfect solution like anything's better than what we got now yeah certainly i mean it should yeah. make things easier hopefully the only mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. kind of thing i do think about these digital signature software things and i have on a very small number of occasions like we're talking a handful of times each um i have used it for both like western versions and for japanese versions the mm-hmm, digital mm-hmm. hanko as well and you know i don't really see how entering in your email and setting a password and things is provides the same level of security as you know okay you can say a hanko anyone can get one and a signature can be forged as well but at least you have to be yeah. physically there to <laughs> right to right. do it you know yeah yeah you bring up a good point yeah i don't know hmm. if i don't yeah i don't know which is uh is more secure yeah i mean when i did them i don't remember ever having to scan any kinds of id or anything like that you know right 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 so it will be interesting to see how how this initiative progresses as i said there's no kind of timeline at the moment but i'm sure that now that they've publicly announced it we will see the beginnings of this kind of move yeah yeah, I would think ideally there maybe there would be some kind of physical layer of security, you know, like mm. uh, and you know this would require people to like buy additional hardware, but maybe the, you you buy like a little like a card reader, mm. and then you gotta like stick your driver's license in the like physically into the card reader that's hooked up to your computer, and then it'll like authenticate it or yeah, that would make you know, sense, just, wouldn't it? Yeah, just something like that, you know. I think that would be the the best way to go about it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because that way, even if someone has like someone steals your your password or whatever, like if mm. they don't have, you know, physically like your driver's license, then it won't it won't authenticate it. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, it'll, it'll, well, well, we'll see. Yeah, but I, yeah, but it's a good thing that they're they're moving away from the Honko. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. It was another interesting story, right? Oh, what was the the the, the cars on the bridge? Yeah, yeah. So okay, this is just a, a quick one that I found. But uh, in Yamaguchi Prefecture, which is uh, way over on the uh, west side of Japan, like at the very it's at the, it's at the very tip, right? Western tip, I think. I think so. Yep. Yeah, and um, so it's kind of out in the boonies. But there, there's a, a bridge out there in uh, Kaminoseki, the name of the town. And yeah, I think any, anyone who's uh, driven across a bridge before, uh, anywhere, not just in Japan, but you, like there's there's little there's little bumps almost, right? Because bridges are typically put together in like big chunks. Like they'll get a big crane and they'll they'll lift, you know, maybe I don't know. 100 feet or 
whatever of bridge at a time and they just kind of line them up like uh like tracks almost uh like like those toys that you played with when you were younger exactly and uh Yes, for for some reason, w one of the segments of the bridge, like sank down, or or rose up. It doesn't really mention which, but essentially, it created a like a little a a bit a big bump of about uh says here twenty centimeters. Yeah, which, that's um, hmm. yeah. It's not. You know, 20 centimeters, that's like, what, I don't know, 8 inches? Mm. Something like that? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost a foot high. And, yeah, this bump just appeared out of nowhere. And some some poor guy was just cruising along down the uh, on the bridge. And his car was a bit lowered, it looks like, based on the picture here. But he, yeah, he just slammed right into that that exposed bump there damn unlucky and yeah and his, uh, his bumper like flew off and stopped him in his tracks it looks like the airbags deployed so oh really yeah yeah so his car is kind of a <laughs> it's kind of a mess does it does say anything in the article about whether or not he'll be able to get any kind of compensation yeah it doesn't say i would assume so i mean it's uh i think it's, it's a very public least road his, his his insurance should cover it because it's you know it's obviously not his fault. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um, shoddy construction, man. Yes, sir. Yeah. And th this and this comes up not frequently, but you know, every once in a while you hear about these shoddy construction stories, like um, like rocks falling down from the ceiling in tunnels. That's another one you kind of read about. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think part uh, of the problem is we did mention it briefly, actually, in an episode a few months ago. But the way these kind of projects work in Japan is that, you know, you have a big company that wins a contract from a government or a local government, and then mm -hmm. they subcontract it to another company. Then often that company will subcontract it to another company, and sometimes right, even yeah. down to a fourth level or so. So it means mm -hmm. that, you know, the accountability gets slightly reduced at every level. Until at the bottom, you know, it's like a kind of Chinese whispers type game of, you know, sort of who knows what, how, how much of the original specifications and criteria have been passed along yeah. at that point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and also, I, I think that's part of the reason why they do it that way is so that it spreads out the accountability. So yeah. when something does, so when something does go south, then it's like, well, it's not 100% one person's fault. Which is a yeah. very Japanese way of uh, doing business, like figuring out ways to spread out accountability. Yeah, and I think it does as well. I, I mean, I'm not saying that this is the case at all in this particular bridge uh, incident without any more knowledge of it, but, mm -hmm. you know, it does mean that if there has been any sort of dodgy uh you know, if, if any sort of construction standards or anything have been ignored, it allows like the company at the top of the chain to to sort of say, well, it wasn't us, you know. They might mm, have known yeah, that yeah. somehow a bridge was constructed for much cheaper than it should have been, but, you know, mm -hmm. they sort of turn a blind eye to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, thankfully, in this case, like the damage seems to have been minor, right? Some poor right. dude. Yeah, and, and no, no one was, no one was mm. injured, yeah. Yeah. Although I don't know, maybe the driver had minor injuries from the, the airbag. Yeah, but, uh, no, nothing, nothing major. Yeah. Mm. Just some poor guy getting the shock of his life, eh, driving along the yeah the road. That, that's that sucks. Oh dear. Oh well. Yeah. And just the okay. final item in our little roundup: the kind of mm. coronavirus update. So yep. There were 950 new cases in the 24 hours leading up to 10 a.m. on the 16th of November, bringing the total to 119,786 uh, cases in Japan, the total uh, cumulative total overall, and 11 new deaths over that same period for a total of 1,906 
deaths. And well, that number itself, the 950 new cases, is not super high, but it is the first time for nine days that the number has been below 1,000. Over the past week or so, we've consistently seen cases, the number of new cases, generally around the kind of like 1,500 mark, which, as we mentioned right, last week, right. is kind of high and kind of worrying. Mm -hmm. It did include also uh, 180 new cases in Tokyo. Again, slightly lower than the sort of numbers we've seen recently. We've seen numbers creeping up around the 200 to 300 mark lately. Yeah, yeah. Slightly lower. Still got a slightly kind of worrying situation going on in Sapporo. The government there is going to, according to the media, start asking people... Oh, sorry, they actually already have started asking people to uh, refrain from non-essential outings. Basically, this is kind of as close as Japan gets to a lockdown. You yeah, know, because they, uh, Japan cannot legally have a proper lockdown. So this is, for all intents and purposes, this is a, this is a lockdown in, in Sapporo. Exactly, exactly. They have already asked uh, parts of Sapporo, Sapporo being like the capital of uh, Hokkaido Prefecture. They yeah. have already asked parts of uh, Sapporo City to, or businesses in parts of the city, to uh, stop operating between 10 a.m. and 5 a.m. So mainly, you know, like bars and late night restaurants and things. Oh, sorry. Did I say 10 a.m.? Sorry, I meant 10 p.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and 5 a.m. Yeah, so the nighttime hours and the media are saying these these measures are likely to be expanded to the entire city as well mm. so quite worrying in hokkaido i mean hokkaido has suffered uh you know more than most areas in japan as a result of the coronavirus it was one of the first to really be hit by by coronavirus yeah back in uh what was it february or March or something like that. Yeah, they were one of the first areas to get really hit hard. Exactly. I wonder, do you think it might be connected to the fact that temperatures in Hokkaido are generally colder? You know, it's the winter yeah, comes quicker. Yeah, it, it would seem that way. Mm. But but then you look at like Okinawa, which was also like at one point it was pretty, you know, the case numbers were getting a bit worrying there. Like they were definitely outpacing the rest of the country. And that place is really warm. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, very true. And, you know, in Europe, when coronavirus first struck, it hit, you know, places like Italy and Spain, the hardest. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And right. then certainly not the coldest places in Europe. So it is interesting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We also had like the Middle Eastern uh, respiratory syndrome, MERS, right? Yeah. Yep. A few years ago. And mm -hmm. that was obviously centered on the Middle East where it's not not particularly cold so but hopefully japan gets through the winter okay yeah yeah well we'll see we'll see certainly oh yeah. just one quick final point in our news roundup so thomas back the president of the international olympic committee uh, visited japan and was talking about kind of you know the games and he oh boy <laughs> oh boy he amid the kind of tired of turning public opinion but he said that olympic athletes uh, will not be forced to get covid19 vaccinations which i thought was kind of an interesting um statement to make he said they should get them as a show of solidarity with the japanese but they would not be you know they would not be forced to get them and as we yeah. were kind of discussing before we started recording, seemed perhaps like maybe he was hedging his bets, like if the vaccines were not fully available everywhere around the world, mm. then, you know, maybe he didn't want to say that athletes could not compete in the games if they were not able to get a vaccine. Or Right, yeah. Perhaps it could be a matter more, you know, of, of the sort of individual freedom and rights of the athletes. I did think it was interesting, though. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm <laughs> I've never been a a fan of this whole Olympic thing, and even less so now, obviously. But 
uh, is, I don't know, I, I think it's going to be pretty bad. Hmm. Because they're, they're trying to, you know, steamroll this thing through. And yeah, it's, I, I, I don't see it ending well, but I don't know. Well, we'll see, I guess. I mean, it's, it's uh, certainly nothing I can do about it at this point. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. It's quite worrying, isn't it? Mm hmm. Oh, well, shall we move on to our main stories? All righty. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, get mine out of the way first. Um, okay. The story itself is not uh, particularly interesting. Basically, so Masahiko Kondo, who is uh, he's 56, he, uh, he's a former, uh, you know, one of those pop star idol types. And he was, he was pretty big back in the day, I guess, um, I don't know, 30 years ago. Right, so like in the maybe late 80s, early 90s, that, that era, he was pretty pretty big. And he I don't think he really does music stuff too much nowadays. He basically does his own thing. Um, but, you know, he, he, uh, he he's a sponsor for, you know, a handful of products. He still has a, the name still carries some weight with the general public. So, hey, do, doing his thing. But uh, the other day, a uh, couple days ago, he uh, one of the tabloids published a story that he was having an affair, cheating on his wife. Oh, dear. And when that story broke, he basically got, he got the Japanese cancel treatment the uh, his agency suspended him. He, he got dropped by all his sponsors, and he's uh, and apparently the, the sponsors can go after him for uh, for damages. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is I don't, I don't think we really talked about this too much, but uh, like anytime these stories happen and the sponsors drop whoever, then the sponsors can can and I think they usually do. They they go after the person because i guess it says in the contract like uh and yeah it's not too hard to imagine but the contract you know contains clauses that if you do things to essentially damage your reputation which in turn you know damages the reputation of the product then they can go after you for damages wow yeah yeah which uh which i think are like, I don't know why they would ever sign the contract like that. But. Mm. So you could be looking at a big financial hit as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the tabloids are estimating that it will be in the tens of millions of yen. So, you know, you're looking at, I mean, it's not like for a celebrity, you know, it's not a huge sum of money, but it's, it's a pretty big sum, mm. uh, you know, a couple hundred thousand U.S., um so yeah it's uh he's getting canceled and, lock him uh, up yeah but yeah we were talking about this before we started recording and we were saying how it's 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 usually it's the the celebrity was doing like maybe he was smoking weed or maybe he was you know shooting up heroin or whatever or driving but, dangerously you know, so yeah 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 or yeah or driving yeah under the influence um which is you know, illegal activity. So, you know, I mean, I still disagree with the whole cancel culture, but, you know, I mean, maybe it's like, well, okay, you know, he's, if he's a criminal, right? I mean, you know, even though I think that the crime is bullshit um, as far as with the weed, but uh, that's just me. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's it's a bit understandable. Right, I mean, I could see the other side of the argument there. But, yeah. yeah, with something mm. like, but with something like this, like, you know, is it morally, you know, questionable? Sure, but is it illegal? Not really, right? Yeah, there's certainly a very strong argument to make, and probably personally, I would fall down on the side of this argument that, you know, even if people at the agency or at the sponsors do disagree with it morally it's not really yeah. their place to interfere and it's not really exactly. grounds for him to be cancelled you know whether that yeah. 
does affect his image with the public in future and means that, you know, maybe in the future he might find it difficult to get more work or whatever because his image has been harmed. You know, that's mm. one thing, but to cancel contracts. Yeah, and like it's on, and, it's on him. Yeah. Mm, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, suspend him and things. And I don't know. Personally, I feel like maybe that's a bit of overreach by the companies. Yeah. Yeah, for real. And, and and another thought I had was, uh, you know, what what if what if he was just a uh, like a swinger, you know, or like an open relationship, right? I mean, there there are people out there like that. Exactly, exactly, right. And where does it and, stop? I mean, yeah, exactly, yeah. You know, what happens if it turns out like, I mean, he and his wife, or not? I mean, some other hypothetical celebrity let's say there was no cheating involved but let's say they were they you know did things in the bedroom that maybe like would be kind of extreme or whatever by most people's eyes like Mm. they were into bdsm or whatever right 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 you know would that be grounds for i don't yeah that's a good question this kind of cancellation it's you know it's a bit worrying isn't it i don't really like this kind of slippery slope argument because mm-hmm. it's often abused but don't know it does seem that when companies have the ability to sort of mess with someone's kind of private life in this way in a way that as you said it's not you know it's not illegal at all yeah yeah it's just that you know based on their idea of moral standards it's not compatible and and you know, hey, they're they're private companies, right? I mean, they can they're free to, you know, make contracts with whoever they want and cancel them as they see fit. So I mean, they're, you know, I mean, they they can do what they want, but yeah, at the same time, it's uh, I don't know, it's, I don't like it. No, it is a bit. Yeah. yeah, I tend to, you know, obviously not condoning him cheating on his wife, but it is a bit. I don't know. It, it it is kind of worrying to see him being suspended and cancelled because of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, maybe he yeah. could pay off, you know, whatever damages he has to, and still have plenty to live comfortably on. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and figure out his marital issues. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Oh, hey, well. I, I also, mm-hmm. I think part of the problem. Uh, stems from in Japan at least is that the vast majority of celebrities are represented by an agency yeah. so the agency has a lot of power over these people you know whereas in the west it's much more common for people to I mean they'll have an agent but they, they represent themselves you know what I mean exactly so like they don't like they're they're more much more in control of like how how these things go down whenever there's a problem exactly celebrities in japan are almost more like employees aren't they i mean it's not like a traditional Mm -hmm. kind of employee employer relationship but it's it's almost it's more similar to that like you said than than western celebrities yeah yeah so yeah i don't know well i mean i doubt there's really anything to follow up on with this story but so, yeah, it's kind of a, the sad reality of being a star in Japan. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, it's very difficult to imagine them doing this with, you know, say some company executive or someone. Right. Yeah. yeah. The um, it is interesting as well, isn't it? Because Japan has this like, I don't know, like sometimes I think people in japan are very conservative towards like kind of sex and sexuality but other times it seems like you know people are kind of liberal here mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of people are condemned for things sometimes that they might not necessarily be condemned for in the west like in this case i don't know i can't imagine i imagine it would be a big scandal but i don't know if it would lead to a celebrity kind of being cancelled for having an affair maybe i'm not sure but yeah i'm pretty sure it wouldn't like it would be a scandal and you know the the tabloids would have a field day but i don't think it would lead and you know a a handful of sponsors that try to maintain a squeaky clean image might might 
cancel their contracts or whatever. But like the as far as you know the person just getting canceled like that that wouldn't happen in the West. Yeah, and sued as well, right? Yeah, and sued. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, yeah, it is interesting. But then again, on the other hand, like there's a lot of talk that men in Japan have mistresses and things like that. So it is kind of mm-hmm, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's difficult to see exactly where people lie, or it doesn't always quite fit into the Western sort of like value system. I guess you might say. Yeah, there is a weird double standard, I think. Mm. Like, public figures are supposed to be perfect, right, in every way. Yeah. But then, if you're a a not public figure, whatever the word for that is, then you're kind of free to be as vile and degenerate as you want, and it's kind of okay. (laughs) Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, well. Right, shall we uh, move on to yeah our next uh, in-depth story? So last mm-hmm. week we brought listeners an update on Princess Mako and Kei Kimura, their oh boy, <laughs> their kind of wedding plans. This was related to Princess Mako's father, uh, Fumihito, being sort of formally declared first in line to the throne after his brother, the Emperor Naruhito. And just after we mentioned it, I think it might have been on Friday last week, actually, um, Princess Mako released a statement through the sort of imperial household uh, reiterating her and Kei Kumura's strong desire to get married. So... In light of them releasing that statement, just kind of wanted to go through a bit more of the background and in particular talk about her mother, Princess Kiko, because she's kind of an interesting figure. But it is interesting, uh, just a bit of an aside, it is interesting for me personally because I've been watching The Crown on Netflix lately, which, do you know that? It's about the British royal family. Yeah, I haven't actually watched it, but uh, yeah, I, I know of it, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a lot of the same topics you know infidelity and things and Mm -hmm. uh, succession as well who's in line for the throne and all these kind of things so it's interesting to look at the the japanese uh royal family and see how they're getting on because probably this whole thing with princess mako and kei kimura's i think it's probably the biggest scandal right to well not maybe scandal is the wrong word but it's well, I suppose it is a scandal, as we'll go into, but like one of the big talking points of the royal family over the past few years, right? Yeah, the royal family. Um, you know, I, I, I don't. I've never lived in the UK, or I'm not too too familiar with the royals over there. But it, it seems like the tabloids are always they always find something. You know, there's, there's always some some crazy scandal in the news. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Un- unlike the UK royals, yeah, the, the royals in Japan like are generally like there's really not much going on like you know they 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 go to you know whatever shrine they shake some hands and do all this but there's never really any like big time scandals i don't think it's, no, it's rare I, I mean things will pop up every now and again there was prince hisahito princess mako's younger brother there were mm-hmm. reports that he was being bullied at school and apparently his mother princess kiko uh, became very angry about that and sort of got <laughs> quite involved at the school. That was yeah. kind of a big story a few years ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I I think the the both the volume and the uh, like the actual what happened are are rather tame in in Japan. Yeah, I do agree. Yeah, just quickly, listeners might find this interesting, but. For me personally, when I'm reading about the royal family in Japan, I always find it a little bit more difficult than reading about like n- like normal scandals of business people and celebrities and things because they use all these like strange words, right, and kind of refer to them very respectfully, even in like yeah, the tabloid yeah. press mm-hmm. and things. Yeah, when you refer to the royals, you always have to use these like it's it's, it's almost a separate dialect, you know, like where. Uh, it's like excessive use of these like honorific terms. Yeah. 
Yeah. To the point to the point where yeah, it's just it's just difficult to read. Yeah. So I don't know. I wonder if that affects public perception somehow. Certainly for me as a non-native, uh, you know, Japanese speaker, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it can be quite difficult sometimes, or more difficult than yeah, yeah. other normal kinds of articles. But anyway, so back to Princess uh, Mako and Kei Kumuro. Kei Kumuro, obviously, Princess Mako is you know a member of the royal family. Kei Kumuro is a twenty-nine-year-old. Law student, he's studying overseas in America. It's a dirty commoner. A <laughs> dirty commoner. <laughs> and so they they met Princess Mako and Kei Kimura met back in 2012 when they were students at International Christian University in Tokyo. And they announced their engagement, I think it was in 2017. And then the following year, in 2018, they decided to postpone their marriage. This was kind of when the whole scandal broke about Kei Kumuro's, as we mentioned last week, Kei Kumuro's mother owing money to her former fiancé, apparently, that Mm. it seems this money, approximately 4 million yen, roughly 40,000 US dollars, was in large part used for Kei Kumura's uh, education. And remember, she allegedly owes money. Allegedly because, owes it. Because exactly. she claims it was a gift. But then the former fiancé, after, and I mean, yeah, and this is, you know, part of why it's so murky, but it's like after they broke up, he was like, no, no, that was a loan. So I want my money back. So I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, you know, the. Uh, Crown Prince Fumihito kind of said basically that we want all this to be sorted out and the way he phrased it was kind of funny he said like you know we want all this to be sorted out so that many people can celebrate the marriage of you know, mm. Princess Mako and, and Kei Kimura so I mean, yeah, basically get your get your shit in order before you uh, come try to marry my daughter you know exactly right exactly yeah. and for that reason the marriage was delayed this was in 2018. It was delayed for a couple of years yep. until 2020. So we should be hearing more details. But as I said, there's no specific details yet. However, Princess Mako did release a statement that I referred to where she reiterated her, her strong desire to get married. Mm-hmm. And as I said, so it seems um, from what I've read, this is all kind of like tabloid sort of hearsay reporting but yeah although in the statement that princess Michael made uh, you know it referred to both uh, prince fumihito and princess kiko her mother uh, kind of understanding her feelings mm-hmm. uh, apparently uh, prince fumihito is still quite opposed to the marriage <laughs> well, understandably. Whereas Princess Kiko is kind of coming round to the idea. Oh, so interesting. Initial report said that Princess Kiko is very negative toward their marriage uh, when it mm. first sort of, you know, when it was it, when it first became it w- apparent that they were, you know, looking to get married. Saying yeah. report said that she said about Kay that you know he just wants a status (laughs) (laughs) he's a gold digger yeah and you know he apparently he entered some contests and things at school and she said that you know he only entered those contests because he wanted to sort of show off to people or he wanted people to to sort of respect him you know that's what the kind of thing that people who enter contests do like a vain individual. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I mean, again, just to reiterate her listeners, this is all kind of like hearsay tabloid reporting. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, apparently she was worried that uh, he would take advantage of her daughter's position. But it seems, behind the scenes, apparently, um, the Princess Kiko has become more positively inclined toward the, the marriage. And this seems to be partly because of the former emperor of Japan uh, stepping down and then uh, Emperor Naruhito, Fumito's brother, becoming emperor. But uh, 
mm. when the former emperor stepped down, his wife, Empress uh, Michiko, you know, obviously kind of started taking a back seat as well. And she had originally, Empress Michiko had been very opposed to it. And Kiko was kind of, Princess Kiko was kind of wary of Empress Michiko as her mother-in-law. And so was taking a similar <laughs> kind of stance, but apparently she's yeah. become more confident, more self-assured and is now sort of coming around and being a bit more positive. Okay. Yeah. The, uh, it seems Princess, or, or I mean, more, it's pretty much confirmed that Princess Kako, uh, Mako's youngest sister, is very supportive of Princess Mako's marriage. And oh, that's nice of her. Said that publicly, yeah. But apparently, apparently, this has led to a bit of a rift at home between the parents, Fumihito and Princess Kiko. Despite there being, you know, as I said, uh, Princess Kiko becoming more sort of positive, apparently mm. it's led to a bit of a split between the parents and their children, Princess Kako and uh, Princess Mako, with the yeah. parents and children barely talking to each other and Oof. communicating by you know emails and text messages even when they're in yeah. the same the same house and eating separately wow so they all they all get separate uber eats huh <laughs> yes uh, <laughs> well you know apparently th I, again this is all tabloid reporting so it's difficult to see how much of it is true i mean it could be this could be like normal behavior, couldn't it? I mean, it's not that unusual, I think, to text someone, <laughs> someone you live with when yeah. you're downstairs. Well, especially because I'm sure they yeah. live in a huge house, right? Right, yeah. So, yeah, if I have to walk five minutes to, you know, ask if I can ask my sister if I can borrow a pen, I might just text her. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. You know, and then eating meals separately as well. You know, if they are very busy doing lots of kind of royal duties, it's not that inconceivable <laughs> that they might yeah. frequently eat separately. Mm -hmm. Right, right. But maybe, maybe there is a big rift in this family. Maybe. The story of Princess Kiko is kind of quite interesting. Uh, her and uh, Prince Fumihito met at Gakushin University in Tokyo, which is a private university that has very strong ties with the imperial family. It was actually originally yeah, yeah. established to teach like kind of Japanese nobility or the, the kids of Japanese nobility. Yeah. But, and just as a, hmm. an interesting aside, there's a, so there's the university, it's in Tokyo and there's a, uh, like a really classy condo that's like right next to the university. And like, I think one or multiple Royals live in that condo. Oh, really? Yeah, well, well, they're not royals anymore because they got married and because they were uh, women and they got married, so they're technically no longer royals. But uh, yeah. yeah, they actually live. They actually live in that condo right next to the university. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and Kiko, Princess Kiko, Kiko Kawashima, as she was previously known, she was really the first kind of like real commoner to marry into the family. I mean, Empress Michiko was not, like, from a real proper noble family. Like, she wasn't part of the aristocracy, but she's from a very wealthy family that had strong ties mm -hmm. to, the, to the imperial family. But, so she was, like, a quasi-nobility. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Whereas uh, Princess Kiko, Kiko Kawashima, was apparently very, like, kind of ordinary middle class. That's why mm -hmm. she was first called the three... Uh, LDK princess when around like the kind of 90s, late 80s and 90s when it, all the, you know, the stories about her and uh, Fumihito dating and getting married first came mm -hmm. out. Uh, three LDK here referring to like the sort of standard typical Japanese house you know, two up, two down, that kind of idea. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah three bedrooms, a living room a dining room and a kitchen. Exactly, exactly. LDK, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the three LDK princess, she made good. She got married to the, the prince. And yeah. her father actually was a professor at uh, Gakushin University. So, oh, okay, okay. Mm, she was studying there, and that's how she met uh, Fumihito. Mm -hmm. The 
you know, I mean, presumably she was like never kind of expected to be the mother of the heir to the throne, you know, Prince Hisahito, who will uh, presumably eventually become emperor of Japan. Yeah. You know, she was getting married to the younger brother, you know, kind of like, I suppose, like Meghan Markle, not, you know, presumably never thinking that she would be in this position. Yeah, I mean, the expectation was, of course, that the older brother would have a boy and that that boy would be next in line, you know, as what, you know, I guess usually, you know, that's how things go down, but not necessarily. And um, yeah, in this case, it didn't happen that way. Exactly. And not to delve too much into it, because it's not really like the topic today, but the whole story about Princess uh, uh, Masako, who is... Uh, the emperor, or I suppose she'd be Empress Masako, I guess now, but her, yeah. uh, you know, husband is Emperor uh, Naruhito, and she apparently, like the whole pressure of trying to produce a male heir, has been really, yeah. really difficult mm. on her. There are a lot of reports around, kind of like the mid two thousands, like around like two thousand and four, two thousand and five, that her that she was not doing very well, kind of mentally because of that. Yeah, yeah, her mental health is always, you know, based on, you know, again, a lot of this is kind of tabloidy stuff, but, mm. um, yeah, her mental health was really suffering. Um, and, and she made very few public appearances, too, during the time, which kind of underscores that there's probably some truth to that. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I mean, the, um, you know, Emperor Naruhito, who was the crown prince Naruhito at that time, did kind of come out and speak in support of his wife, saying, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. give her a bit of space and she's doing fine, that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But apparently, so Princess Kiko, you know, the former Kiko Kawashima, when she first moved, you know, got married to Fumihito, Prince Fumihito, and, and kind of became a part of the royal family, she like had to be taught loads of things apparently by her ladies in waiting and maids and things like because there's all these proper official ways to do things like one example uh, given in the article i read was tying a furushiki because i'm sure most you know particularly japanese women can tie a furushiki but there's kind of like proper ways to do it and things oh sorry just for listeners a furushiki being like a kind of um like a cloth right a japanese cloth that you can use to tie up in small kind of bundles and things yeah, it's um I guess people use it it's basically like an old school shopping bag. Right? Yeah. I mean that's exactly. what people used mm. like way back in the day before there were plastic bags and paper bags, they would carry this cloth around. And then whenever you go out and you buy, you know, whatever, some vegetables or whatever, then you would break out your cloth and you would tie it up a certain way so it make it makes kinda of like a handle at the top. Exactly. And so you can so you can carry it around, yeah. Yeah, and if you're in polite society and giving a gift to someone as well, you can wrap it up in a little furushiki as well. Mm, right, yeah. But it's uh mm. yeah, classy stuff that people like us have no idea about. No, no, sir. <laughs> apparently yeah. so apparently Princess Kiko had to be taught loads of these kind of things. But mm. back in those days, it was this was quite interesting, I thought. So according to the article I read, the you know, yeah. her household. So, you know, they're kind of like two separate households now, the two branches. You've got like the uh, prince or the emperor Naruhito's branch and you've got the uh, his younger brother, Fumihi Prince Fumihito's branch. And mm -hmm. the, the emperor's branch is kind of like the Harunomiya, it's called in Japanese. And we've got the Akishinonomiya is the Prince Fumihito's uh, branch, yeah. and apparently the Harunomiya, the Empress branch, had back in those days, you know, around like kind of like the nineties and around when they got married, had a staff of mm. around sixty, and private funds. This is like you know money for them basically to spend on their expenses and things and whatever they wanted to. Of From a party, <laughs> party of around uh, three hundred and twenty million yen per year. So, you know, wow. roughly speaking, approximately $3.2 million per year. Quite a significant sum of money, right? Just, you know, yeah, for private for funds. doing nothing. Yes, sir. But in contrast, his younger brother, Prince Fumihito's branch, the Akishinonomiya, had a staff of only 16, 
compared to that staff of 60, and funds of 54 million yen per year, around 540,000 US dollars, which I thought was very interesting because, you know, yes, it's more than the vast majority of normal, like, working people will earn. Right, but it's right. Not but it's not crazy, yeah, is I, it? Yeah, I know what you're saying. It's not like a, when you think royal family, I mean, you certainly think they're making more than half a million a year. Exactly, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, of course, this is like on top of, you know, like the many of their expenses will be paid for. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, they like no, no rent, no utilities, exactly, no, right? No, no, uh, no car payments, right? I mean, basically, their expenses, their core expenses, are basically zero. I guess exactly, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's you know, it's not quite comparable to a normal family, but mm, yeah, but it, yeah. I did think that was very interesting. Although, uh, since Fumihito became next in line to the throne, apparently their staff has increased to fifty-one staff which is very Ooh. similar to you know yeah. the haranomi of the the main branch has 60 staff mm -hmm. and the akishinonomi of the younger brothers branch has 51 so kind of similar a big uh step up in status almost yeah yeah but it seems that you know as i said so princess kiko came into the royal family from a very middle class background kind of not knowing much but it seems that over the years she has become very strict and difficult to work with apparently according to articles mm. she you know gave uh, extremely kind of detailed and and kind of strict instructions to her staff apparently and yeah like one example given was that she wouldn't actually like order people she would like just point their her finger at them and you know and not say anything and they had to know Whoa. what to do yeah many examples of like staff just quitting after a week or so yeah the uh Damn. yeah the article i read did uh, it also mentioned one kind of veteran apparently this woman was like a veteran kind of customer service uh employee or or support person working in a company that had ties to the royal family and mm -hmm. you know she was very good apparently at like dealing with difficult customers and dealing yeah. with complaints and things so they sent her over to work in the royal household but princess at the hands of princess kiko she started really suffering and ended up quitting in just a few months apparently she sort of lost oh. her mental balance you know she Whoa. <laughs> yeah <laughs> And uh, her hands began constantly shaking all the time. Yeah. In one particular Damn. example, That's she was... Brutal. Brutal. She had to write a thank you letter for something. You know, I guess something that the princess attended. And... Yeah. You know, because as I sort of mentioned uh, when reading articles about the royal family, but the language that the royal family use is kind of somewhat different to normal Japanese. So mm -hmm. she had to write this thank you letter in this sort of very, very formal Japanese. And yeah. as this was within her first few weeks on the job, she was not, apparently she was not able to do it correctly. And she had to, Princess Kiko just kept instructing her to like rewrite the letter over and over again. Was, uh -huh. you know, an example that was given again. It's all yeah. tabloid reporting. So who knows this? I mean, maybe Princess Kiko is an absolutely lovely employer, and this is all kind of yeah. cobbled together from bits and pieces. But I mean, it is quite interesting. But mm -hmm. yeah. So anyway, as I said, just in summary, that despite her interesting background and perhaps interesting personality, it seems that Princess Kiko has kind of come round a bit to Princess Michael's marriage to Kay Kamura. Okay. Well, um, I think he's a scumbag, but <laughs> I mean, you it's like just do get your shit together, man. Yeah, I mean, like I I get it that they feel like it was a gift and they don't hmm. want to pay it back. And yeah, I mean, they're probably, you know, it's become like almost a a principle kind of thing for them. Yeah. But just 
just take care of it, man. Just just pay pay the money and live a life of of luxury. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. and I mean it's always dangerous delving into the comments on articles and things, but yeah, reading the comments below like sort of YouTube news clips and on you know mm-hmm. articles about this <laughs> there is a lot of negative kind of feeling toward their marriage for yeah, like you know yeah. the reason you said i think you know it's it's kind of not exactly clear why this has become such a big issue really mm-hmm, and it, mm, and it is a yeah. bit you know like you said whoever's whoever's right or whoever's wrong maybe the Komuro family are are correct in in their yeah you know assertion that it was a gift but mm-hmm. you know it doesn't look good does it yeah and, and you know just the other thing too is like okay okay whether or not it feels a gift or a loan or whatever just put that aside for a second like the, the fact will remain that that money did pay for your education right? exactly so... right yeah as far as i know no one's disputing that yeah, no one's yeah, yeah no one's disputing he, that. Yeah. So Yeah. Like if you especially if you take that into account, it's like, well, okay. I mean I I thought it was a gift, but you know, it did pay for my education, so like if you want it back, fine, you know. Like here, just you can have it back. I mean I think that's kinda like the right thing to do. Exactly, right? Yeah. 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 But I would agree. But it, I mean, it would be nice to see a royal wedding in Japan, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, it would be something, something to lift the spirits, right, of the, of the people. Yes, sir. Yeah. If, if it does go ahead, it will be, of course, like the traditional Japanese style, right? Not the Western right, right. style. Mm. You know, the imperial family in Japan always do things like the proper Japanese way, don't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah. Going old school. Yes, sir. Yeah. But okay, yeah, we've uh, gone a bit over an hour, so we'll probably wrap it up here then. Yes, sir. Okay, so uh, as always, if you want to continue the conversation, you can check us out on our socials on both Twitter and Instagram. Our username is RealJapan, guys. Or you can check out our website at thereal.jp and email us there also at mail at thereal.jp find this podcast on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and spotify so with all that being said we will see everyone again next week goodbye listeners bye bye